You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 280, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners just like you. Hey, where did we go? Jake's with the Rage King. Dan and Arlo. Playing a new king. Laughing and a running. Hey, hey. Skipping and a jumping. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 280. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. There he is. And Josh Flanagan. I am here. There's him. To serve. We are from the website iFanboy.com, which is a website dedicated to the wonderful world of comic books and all things related to comics, including the issues that come out every week. Every week we go to the store, we buy a stack of comics. Each one of us reads our comics. Then one of us goes to the website and deems our pick of the week, writes a review of it that you can read on iFanboy.com. Then we come back here to talk about that pick of the week as well as all the other great issues that came out this week. So it's a a fun time. It's a happy fun time. We do want to warn you, though, we're going to be talking about what happens in the comics. So if you ever read your comic books, you might want to press pause or you might be spoiled. So, you know, be warned. There you go. This week, Connor had the pick. And Connor, take it away. The pick this week was Punisher Max, number 12. And earlier in the week, Ron had proclaimed it on NFM.com, one of the best books on the stands. Yes. And I think it's a bit under the radar because there was that long delay. Yep. It was, I think Steve Dillon got sick and it was like for six months or something. It was not. It didn't come out. It felt like six months. I don't even know how long it was, but it didn't come out for a long time. And so I think a lot of people forgot about the book or weren't even reading it in the first place. But Punisher Max, number 12, is from Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon. And it's the start of a new arc. So this is actually a really good spot to jump on if you're at all curious about the book or the characters. Previous to this arc, we had the whole Bullseye story, which is when it was delayed, where Kingpin hired Bullseye to kill the Punisher. But the Bullseye was crazy, and he spent most of the arc learning about the Punisher and getting in his head. And finally he did, and so they had their big fight at the end, and now... At the very end of the last issue, they both got arrested. Or did Bullseye die? I don't remember. I don't know what happened to Bullseye, to be honest with you. They both sort of lay broken. Yeah. And then in this issue, we pick up the Punisher is now in prison. I, re- I mentioned in my review that it's not a new idea to put the Punisher in prison. Ed Brubaker did it in Daredevil much uh, in a great story, The Devil in Cell Block D, I believe it was. Yep. Wow. And it's been done before, too, even before that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, not, it's not a new thing, but it's a good thing. And that, the reason why it keeps happening is because you drop the Punisher in prison and you get something interesting right away because it's worse than a cop being in prison. Cop goes into prison, it's bad for the cop, but the Punisher goes into prison. The Punisher has been sadistic. The Punisher has been murderous. The Punisher has destroyed your whole family to put you into prison. And so now the stakes are even higher because people definitely, definitely want you dead. Not just to one or two people, everyone. So what happens with the Punisher in prison? Well, he had a big fight with Bullseye and he's all in traction. He's in the prison hospital. Both of his arms are broken. His legs wrapped up. He's got another leg and sort of like a splint thing going on. And he's got his neck brace, and he's not too happy. He's got crazy Steve, Steve Dillon eyes going on. And he's <clears> in his, he's, there's two stories in this issue. One is the Punisher laying in bed thinking. And, you, <laughs> and, and now that sounds boring, but it's actually very riveting. Yep. Because we don't often go into the Punisher's head. And I don't even want to go into the Punisher's head too much, because he's kind of better left more of a mystery to yep. me anyway. But here we get to him thinking back to his time in Vietnam, uh, when the war was over and he was having trouble th- adjusting to the idea of going back to civilian life, and he met an insane guy in the in the Vietnam hospital who was who was psychopathic like he is, and he recognized a kindred soul in Frank. And then the other storyline, while while Frank's in bed thinking, is the inmates trying to work up the courage to attack him. <laughs> 
And the Punisher story storyline was very sort of emotional and serious and, and messed up and dark. And then the, the inmates was sort of the comic relief because they're all while they want to kill him, they're all terrified of him. Yep. What, what I love what I love is that he's just laying there completely, completely immobile. I mean, like he's you can he could not move if he wanted to. And yet they're sitting there outside, and he's in a room with their, their, their bars keeping them from outside. And all these inmates have gathered, and they're just like, yo, do you think he's playing us? Like, they think he's – like, they don't believe that he's immobile. Like, that's it's, – yeah. it shows the power of the myth of the Punisher that he's created even in they this – They think if they go in there, he's going to pop out of the bed and be yep. fine and kill them all. And so there's, the first group shows up, and they're all pumping themselves up to go. And they're like, well, maybe he's not so hurt. And then another group shows up. It's the Aryans, and they're like – the first group's like, oh, well, why don't you guys go ahead? <laughs> you know, be our guest. And they're like, no, no, you guys are here first. Like, there's like this whole, like, they don't, no one really wants to go in there because they're all scared. If they start telling stories and they get larger and, and they're arguing over who's going to go in there and kill them. And finally, just, at the end, they decide, eh, we'll kill them tomorrow. Yeah. I, I thought that was just because prisoners are very polite to one another, from what I understand. They just, they, they, they're That's like, it, they, oh, no, they, by, be my guest by all means. By the etiquette of prison, the, the second group yeah. was always given the it's first. A, uh, it's a very genteel setting. Yeah. Yes. I like the juxtaposition of the two storylines. The comic relief, but also it showed, the, as Ron said, the myth of the Punisher and how scary he is, even though clearly he, they can see that he's got casts on his two arms and his legs wrapped up. And they can see that, but they're still scared of him, even though they want to kill him more than anything. And then on the other hand, you have the delving into the Punisher's brain. This storyline is called Frank. And the big turning point in the last issue was that Bullseye whispered something into Frank's ear, which was supposedly what Frank said to his wife as she died or after she was shot. Yep. And it so shook Frank to his core that that's how Bullseye got the jump on him. So Frank's in a bad place mentally right now. And he wasn't even sure if he wanted to get up to defend himself. if Because he knew they were there. He was, he's awake. He can see them. He wasn't even sure if he was going to get up and defend himself, whether or not he was going to just let them kill him. Yeah, and he, he's trying to decide if he's been searching for death this whole time, not suicidal, but putting himself in situations where he could die, and he's not afraid of it. So he's, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and by with flashbacks, we're dealing with that. So it's you've got all those aspects of Frank going on, and there's very little of the violence and ultra violence you've come to expect in this book. Two people get killed off panel. No, one guy gets killed on panel. Two off panel. Yeah, one shot in the head. But but all, other than that, it's just a lot of people talking about. But the Punisher, and it's a really interesting, funny thing that showed the range of Jason Aaron's ability. We think of him as the gritty, scalped guy, and the guy who writes Wolverine and, and, and writes the really horrible violence that's also very inventive. But here, he gets to be very funny in the, in the one storyline, but also very dark in the other. So you get to see the full range of Jason Aaron. Well, that, that, that's what I think is amazing about, and that's one of the reasons why I was marveling on the Light Week post about Punisher Max, because I, I think this is one of the best comic books out there, because not, not only do I love Steve Dillon's art, and, and we've seen him on Punisher with Ennis before, and so like this isn't really new ground for him, but it's always, you know, it's always good ground. It's welcome um, ground. Yeah, welcome ground, exactly. But the thing about Jason Aaron, what, what, uh, in 22 pages, how he is able to go across the range of violence, uh, humor, emotion, you know, I mean, like, like he, he hits every point in, in 22 pages. It's amazing. Yeah. If 22 pages, if that, you know, like, and, and how in a single issue, how it can go from, you know, inside the Punisher's head to the myth of the Punisher to the other inmates to the flashback to when he was in, you know, in the hospital after, during Vietnam, which by the way, it was Vietnam, right? They, they yes. was, yeah, this, which I was, this, yeah. Punisher Max is, in, is Vietnam. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, you know, and dealing and getting, you know, some insight into what made Frank become who he is, you know, like it, it and like how that Punisher, it, it plants the seed that because it, it ends with Frank coming home to his family. 
And, you know, and it's kind of like he had that moment where the crazy dude in the infirmary was like, come on, let's go. And he could have bailed. And he didn't. And so he's always wondering what direction would my life taken had I not if had I not come back to my family. Because you're already the beast inside of was already coming out. You get that sense of it. And yep. somehow Aaron is able to distill all that down in a really elegant fashion and like in a way that, you know, it, it, it gives a flow to the issue unlike any Punisher comic I've read ever, I think. So. And it's funny because I'm not a Punisher guy. I, I've read the a good portion. I have the Punisher on the bus they put out with the, the NS still and stuff. It's really I really enjoyed that. But I'm not a guy that seeks out the Punisher. But so when I finished this issue, I was like, wow, that was great. And then I finished my stack, and I was like, wow, it was the Punisher. I mean, yeah. I don't expect to pick the Punisher when I'm going into my stack. You know, I don't. This is my expectation. But I, that's I, how- I, I thought it was Ron, like for a couple of days. <laughs> I just, and, and not that I wasn't looking. It's just that I was like, "All right, yeah, Ron." Yeah, like yeah. It, it surprised me. I'm surprised, but not because that's how good Jason Aaron is, and I, I read almost everything he writes because that's no matter what the subject, because that's how good he is. Yeah. Well, that he's, he's getting he's getting better. I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, and and it was funny. I mean, like in our, in our first uh, WonderCon episode that came out this past Wednesday, when I I talked to Axel Alonso. And I asked him, I'm like, what, you know, what book or what creator or whatever would you want, you know, or, you know, would you want to tell people about? Expecting him to play the the line, the editor-in-chief line, like, oh, I love all of our books and everything's great and fear itself and da, da. But he, even he was like, Punisher Max. It's like that, that book always cracks me up and delights me. And like, and that shows that it's, it's, you know, it's easy. The Punisher is easy ground to come on and do what's done before. And it's because they're honest. There's not, there's not a lot to do. Yeah, there's not a lot of dimension to it, right? Exactly. But it takes a, a lot of talent for what Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon and Dave Johnson with the covers have been amazing. Yeah. This whole team yeah. is of, of itself to come on board to the Punisher and do something that is really that really grabs you. So I was glad to see you highlight it because if, if this all is, if this sounds interesting at all, Punisher Max Twelve, you can jump on. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you know who the Punisher is, you just, all you need to know is he's now in prison. There yeah. you go. Punisher's in prison. Here we go. You don't need to know anything else but the first 11 issues. So if you're at all curious, I would recommend highly. Uh, wonderful. From top to bottom, it's a wonderful comic. Yep. The only other book that even gave me pause about picking was Infinite Vacation number two, which will be surprised to people who listen because I didn't love the first one as much as, as you guys I forgot did. about that. You didn't. Right, yeah. But for whatever reason, I loved this issue. I think it's because the first issue, my problem was I didn't really understand the world. Right. Or why anyone would do – like I was – too wrapped up in the mechanics of why people would do this, and I just, this one I just said, forget it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to go with the story, and I really enjoyed the hell out of this. I thought the, there was some really great artwork in it, mm-hmm. some really nice panels that I was really marveling at, and the mystery sort of is opening up of the, the you know, and I it just it, for whatever reason I just decided to not worry about the details and have fun with the issue. I thought it, I thought it had some really nice moments in it, some little moments of like the humor and, and you know, naked naked guy and and uh, the, the pedophile mark. version and. Yep. And all that stuff was really good. Ron, how are you doing with the uh, the section? Oh, it, it pulled me right out of it again. I was like, ah. <laughs> that's got to be the point. Yeah, <laughs> like it, like it. He 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 must know it's it's gonna it's incredibly jarring, and it's really jarring. I mean, yep. we're used to looking at comics that have you know photo reference and even you know tracing or you know just heavily photo based stuff, but that is just photos, which right. is really. Odd, yeah, um, and I do, I do tend to gloss over that part a little bit. I tried not to. I tried to read through it, but well, if you didn't, then you would have the the ending would have been not as much. Better. Yeah, you have yeah, to no, read I, it. I that's did. the pro- that's the problem. You have to read it, um, <laughs> and that's that's just kind of annoys me. And like I, I did like I, I really like this issue too as well. I mean, like I, yeah. I, I mean, it was really really strong, and it's still it's just that the photo stuff is just too much for me. It's just too too much. 
Yeah, you know, I don't. I know. don't want to look at actual people. Well, yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's no, I and they're like I mean, weird faces. It's a, it's like it's well, trying. It's it's sh- because as opposed to a drawing, it's ironic. Because they seem less real. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it seems stiffer. Yes. You can, think, you can see the acting going on as opposed to the, the drawing, which feels more natural. Yeah. It's, it's a strange that, thing. These are real people versus the drawing. The drawing seems more real than the than the, the photos do. But well, that said. Like I, I've seen photos. Like they're actually, it's it's not bad for photos in a comic. I've seen like bad attempts at making comics out of photos and things like that, and it's usually a little bit worse. So like that, that was okay. I mean, I like I like the balls of it. I suppose, you know, like it's just the last thing you expect to find in the middle of a comic book. Yeah, yeah, um, I, 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 so can, I, I, I can see I, that. I but I appreciate that part of it, and I I did. I re- I really enjoyed, I loved the first issue. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was it was it was, it was more good, and I, I just. I'm totally. We're going to talk about another Nick Spencer book in a, in a minute, but uh, I'm just totally impressed by the variance of material that he's putting out. Yep. You know, you don't have to like everything that he does, but you can really like some things he does. I'm sure he'd like you to like everything he does a lot, but yeah. uh, you can't tell one from the other. And he said, you know, he kind of does that by design. He likes that. Right. And no, which is which is great. I mean, the fact that you can't pin him down as a one type of writer is is a benefit, I think, or is a asset to him. But the thing that the thing that gets me about the photo section is that is that I don't feel I don't feel as if it's if the if the book needed it. I could definitely see that. It's you know what a, I mean? Like yeah. a little gimmicky. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and and like the thing is that I'm he could I'm fairly certain he could get across what he's trying to get across. By sticking with Christian Ward, now it's you know it's four four less pages Christian Ward needed to draw. If that keeps on schedule, I understand I that. That's, I wonder if yeah. that's sort of well, part. Of, also, uh, it's, it's like a lot of talking heads. Yeah. So, do we want to see four pages of an interview in a, a sixty minutes style show? So, or? so what what if this was a two page magazine article excerpt from Wired or so? You know what I mean? I hate this, that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone I, hates one. No, I hate so. that more. No, really? no, like just because if you're reading comics and all of a sudden you come against a block of text, it just it throws the brakes on. It's like the it's Grant, like, it's like the Grant Morrison Joker thing, right? From a couple of years ago. Week. Well, yeah. yeah, that was a whole that was a whole issue. I mean, actually, it happened in Strangers of Paradise, for example. Yeah, and Bendis did it too, in Alias. Yeah. yeah, the prose in Strangers of Paradise is really good, so it wasn't so bad. But it does. Watchmen happens, you know, yeah. like all of a sudden you're like, oh, and you have to slow down, and, and the time it takes you to read that page is what it took you to read the whole thing. Well, I'm, just, a, I'm actually okay with that. I mean, I'm not. No, it just yeah. disrupts the flow of sort of moving through it. Yeah. I like the idea of moving through the story, and all of a sudden you're like, and you have to sort of change the way you were thinking. Yeah. Well, that could be done as a tool. I yeah. Think, I, guess. I mean, at now, this point now, I'm expecting a section like this in every issue, which bothers me. But yeah, whatever. it will. Yeah. It seems like it will happen. Now, on Wednesday, I got my books before Ron because Ron's on the West Coast, and I texted Ron and I said, Uncanny? Question mark. Awesome. <laughs> uh, did, did you agree with me? Oh, absolutely. This is. I mean, uh, everything. I don't know if you listen to the I fanboy don't miss. I did with Kieran talking about it, but and my gushing over the last pick of the week. But the, if this is the, the if this is the future of Uncanny X Men, then I'm a very happy X fan. I love the hell out of this book. This, this was, was fan. Uh, Kieran Gillen's first issue with uh, Terry Dot Terry Dotson. Terry, yeah, Dotson. Terry Dotson. We got Dotson. Art and. I enjoyed the hell out of this issue. It was great. He, he has a great handle on all these characters. Yeah. I mean, it was funny because for the first time in literally years, there was a buzz at my comic book store when I went in about this. I mean, you know, like the you know, the the store owner was talking about it, other customers were talking about it. It was like it was like, Oh, did you read Uncanny? Did you read Uncanny? Like it had a nice positive buzz. And what I realized was is because a Kieran's got a great hold on the characters, their voices and their their manners and their attitudes, and he took all the shit that we don't like and just put it to the side. 
Like, we're not getting Scott and Emma shoved down our throats anymore. You just have to do that. I mean, yeah, you, exactly. You, not, you just move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's, one, like, one little banter scene with Emma and Scott. And that's fine. It, it's it's there. You know it's present, but it's not the focus of it. And honestly, this felt more like Whedon than yeah, anything has did. in ages. Well, because partially because... It was, it was funny. It was, it, was, yep. it was a lot of fun, humor in it. it. It was really a romp. Yeah, exactly. It was fun and funny. And yeah. fast. It moved fast. Fun, funny, fast. That yeah. was the my three Fs for this for this book. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was. And the thing is, is that like it's rough because I feel I I, I kind of almost wish uh, Dotson's good, and we all know how I feel about Land. But I almost wish that there was a new artist to go along with Kieran. Yeah, you kind of want a full reboot. Exactly. Yeah, full like this is the future kind of feeling. You know, because w- with Dotson, I still feel like we're still in the the past three years. You know, who would you put on it? Who like I'm curious. Like who you know, would you I mean, want to draw? Well, I, okay, I, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I want. About I want that. Yeah, I mean, I want McKelvey on it that's what I, you know right. after after seeing the stuff he's been doing with generation hope and seeing him dabble here and there the x-men stuff he is born to be the x-men artist if you ask me Do you think that that feels like x-men yeah traditionally oh absolutely that's no okay. it won't it won't feel like x-men to most people but it will no be. well here's the thing about uncanny x-men here's the problem when yeah, uncanny here we go, art. Here we go. getting out of brass tacks uncanny x-men has historically been about an you know a top seller amazing book great writing with up and coming artists. Mm-hmm. If you look at the history of that, what worked? Really? Yeah, if you look, it was early in Burns' career. It was early in Smith's career. It was early in Ramita's career. It was early in Silvestri's career. It was early in Jim Lee's career. It was early in Madeira's career, right? And at some point, it st- they stopped putting new hot shit artists on the book and putting <laughs> putting established. You know, na- you know, not some names, but established kind of artists, and losing any sort of that. Oh my God, buzz! Did you see that? Yeah. And if you ask me, that's what it's lacking. You need to put somebody who's the new hot shit on the block. That you know, and, and we know we we've known about Jamie for years now, and he's not really new, and you know, whatever. But to the well, he is, he is to a lot of the to, audience to uh, to an a to an a list book, it totally would be, and not just. I mean, La Fuente, Jamie. I mean, like I could rattle off any of these like kind of on the verge kind of artists. Um, mm-hmm. Stegman, I would I would love to see Stegman on X Men. Stegman's mm-hmm. X Men would be awesome. Stegman's X Men would be great. You're right. X- Uncanny kind of always set the art tone for this for the era. Exactly, and and it's been and it's been reacting as opposed to establishing. It's been okay. Well, you know, Terry Dotson's established and Greg Land's established, and we got we have them on exclusive. We got to pay them. Let's put them on Uncanny because it sells. That's that's my speculation. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, and like if you go back to the 2000s, it's like all right, we'll put you know uh, Carlos Pacheco or we'll put Alan Davis. So don't get me wrong, I love Alan Davis, but you know what I mean, like. It, it it the the art duties on Uncanny have not had that. Oh my God, I'm looking at artists doing something I've never seen before, and that's what I Uncanny want, needs. So. I want to see you have this conversation with Nick Lowe a lot. Sure, yeah, anytime, <laughs> anytime, Lowe. I got your number. <laughs> but that, but that's the thing. Look at but right now, what it, what it's doing is Uncanny X Force. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what Rick is doing. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Opania. We know about Opania. We've known about him, but like hundreds of thousands of people discovered Jerome Opania for the first time with that with with, with Uncanny yep. X Force. That's true. Um, you know, like Fowler. yeah, yeah Fa- Fowler on Venom. You Venom. know, like yeah, that's sort of Remender's kind of doing that whole thing with the exactly, exactly. So I, I, I mean, I give it time, and I, I'm hopeful that that's what happens. But um, it would have been so great with with this first issue if it had a new artist. And and I know it's lame to put put Kieran with Jamie, and like the two guys can never get rid of each other of them. But guess what? They work well together, you know. There's and no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing I mean, wrong. it's Rick. Yeah. It's Rick and Jerome. It's, it's yeah, exactly, uh, or, or, exactly. Or Rick and Tony Moore. Exactly. But the thing is, and even even better than that is, I would stay on the book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm only, I'm only in for this arc. 
Well, well, that's like, yeah, you're going to drop as soon as Land comes back. Just like I'm looking at this preview of Hulk in the back of it, and without Gabriel Hardman on Hulk, I don't know if I'm going to stick around. You know? It's it, it's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, it is. All right, well, I, I've, I've mentioned too much, but Uncanny was great. X-Men fans, if you've left Uncanny, come back. Yeah. It, this I, I, is, yeah. it, as me as a non-X a non freak like Ron, yeah. I, it was great. It was lots of fun. And if you're worried about the fact that they're back in space, they're not. They, they went into space for this issue, but the whole idea was Breakworld comes to Earth. So if they, they go back to Utopia with the rest of this arc, so they'll be back on Earth. So don't worry about that. Anyway. Now, are either of you guys reading Iron Man 2.0? You mean War Machine? Yeah. No. I'm going to call it by – are you? No, I'm not. No. I read the first two, and then I was – this week I thought – I can't even remember what happened in the first two issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Nick Spencer's work. I, I, read, I read all of his books otherwise, but I just there was I had so many books this week. I said, I couldn't even remember what happened. I decided no, I wasn't going to buy it. I really like this book a lot. I've tried to read the regular Invincible Iron Man, and in issues, it just doesn't do. If I re- I'll read it collected later. But I, I don't know. I've I've really been digging the storyline, and it's taken him a little while. It's a really slow burn book, and it, it's a lot of talking, but it's definitely like an exploration of like I was really interested in Tony Stark in this issue, and I and his relationship with Jim Rhodes, and it's just one of those books like I don't feel like anyone's talking about. And I got to the end of it, I was like, what a really like enjoyable book is going on here, and you know, like at one point Stark looks at, at the War Machine suit, and he's like. What, so what's the deal with this huge gun? You want that on there, or is this just phallic? What's going on here? And he's like, so he just starts ripping stuff off of it. He's like, there, these got to go, that's got to go, and you know, it basically gives him a new suit. I think Nick Spencer's a good writer for Tony Stark. Oh, he he totally is, and I think that you know, and, and even Rhodes, because the interplay between them, you know, Spencer, if you, if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's very politically minded. He's paying attention to a lot of stuff, and he's thinking on that level. And so, you know, what you have is an industrialist who does weapons with a guy who's in the military, but sort of in the new world order, and what that means. And what they do here is they build a suit for war as it exists now, as opposed to you know straight up guys fighting each other with guns and stuff like that. And so the suit has all these capabilities that that he couldn't have before. I mean, it can go invisible. It has ghost technology, so he can phase through stuff. He uh, undercut that a little bit by saying he couldn't do any of those things at the same time. So you only got to pick you pick one at a time. And is, then also, is, is still the big gun. Uh, no, no, the big gun's gone. It's a svelte suit. So know. they fi- so they finally updated War Machine to actually get with the times, basically. It actually is yeah. War Machine two point or yeah. Iron Man it's, two point. It's like the transition between tank warfare, uh, like in the real world, to yep. whatever we do now. Yeah, yeah. the, the <laughs> video, video video game warfare. Well, yeah. and, and yeah. He, he just says basically, you know. He he puts everything together. This suit has every beta thing that he that Tony's been working on. You know, every experimental thing. It's all stuffed in there, and it's just a, a neat idea. And and I I really also like the the actual sort of plot going on through all this. Who is Palmer Adley? I really like that name. It's very lyrical. I was like, that's a nice bit of writing. I, I want to know more about it. If there was a weakness about it, it's that there's a bunch of different artists on it because I think Barry Kitson got sick or couldn't keep up or, or something like that. So the art style changes a little bit, but I, it's really well written. It's 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 not a in your Facebook, but it, it, I like at the end of it, I was like, I really enjoyed that. So I think people should definitely pick it up. At the same time, my pick of the week probably would have been The Unwritten, number 24. And I was talking to Connor about this, how every once in a while, you guys both read this in trades? Yes, I do. I okay, do. stick them with it. So I'd say probably about once every trade cycle or arc, there's one issue in there that kills. And, you know, you know with the other, uh, was the first there's one. There's the, the Raymond Chandler arc, the uh, issue, Kidman. the... Robert Kidling arc, the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. Chandler. That's, that's yep. Raymond Chandler would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure. There was the one with Goebbels, Goebbels. And this is, I'm not sure actually what it's based on, but it's the Mr. Bun character. It's all these little anthropomorphic cute animals. 
and they're all standing around in their waistcoats and, and looking proper in English. And this one rabbit who's just like the rest of them comes in and he just starts swearing at them and turns them into a militia. And so he, he leads this like group of bunnies who are all happy to, you know, all these little animals to, who are happy to just sit around and have tea and look cute on this sort of endless journey of carnage. And it's like a ton of fun. And the art, how it works is as they keep going, the rabbit's eyes gets more and more red <laughs> just as he sort of descends into madness. And it was just, it was, I, I don't have any idea what this has to do with the rest of the story. I mean, I kind of do, <laughs> but on its own, it was just like a ton of fun to read. And it was, it was like an art explosion it was the the art was just gorgeous to look at and it was the same uh peter gross did it but it was a different inker it was al davison on finishes it just had a different sort of feel and look to it really just just another one of those fun ones this is the one you know every few issues that 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 pushes everything open a little more great issue great issue a bit of a change of uh direction on my commentary on amazing spider-man now so okay. and connor we haven't talked about this i don't know how you feel but so amazing spider-man number 658 came out and this was dan slot dealing with uh, spider-man being a uh, member of the ff now mm-hmm. and on the surface if amazing spider-man was the only comic book i read it was a fun issue marcus martin art was awesome it was oh no no sorry it wasn't Marcus Martin Javier it was ha- Javier Pulido which looked like Martin I apologize yeah. but it was Javier Pulido I thought the art was good it was you know really really good but after reading Hickman writes Spider Man in FF and reading this yeah. it shows you that Hickman and Dan Slott are living in two different worlds this issue landed like a thud like a huge thud like to the point where I was like wow they shouldn't have done this. Yeah. They should not have done this. They should They should have said, okay, Spidey and FF is going to happen in FF, and you can refer to it every now and then in Amazing Spider-Man, but don't do an issue about it. And they did And they did an issue about it, and it just – the change in – felt wrong. It felt really wrong. The tone was completely different than the one in FF. Yep, it, exactly. And, like, and the thing was it, it dealt with situations completely different. It, like, so, so it, it shows – well, first off, in general, in Amazing Spider-Man, I love what Slot is doing. I love Peter working at Horizon. I love everything, all stuff like that. I hate that all the Spidey shit is in a closet it's at Horizon. Stupid. It's, it's stupid. It's an emergency. I got to go back to the office. Yeah. All the way over to the office. It takes him half an hour. Yeah. It's totally stupid. Yeah. Get a suit for the emergency. It was just like, this is stupid. Yeah. Totally, totally stupid. I'm not going to comment on the awkwardness of Peter and Carly going to bed. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> But um, but then then they deal with Spider-Man, you know, reporting to the Baxter Building, and he like made his own Fantastic Four costume and really pissed off the thing at the same time. And they give him his his FF costume. All that happened over an FF. I know it could be said that we never actually saw Spidey get the FF costume and stuff like that, but n- no, this shouldn't. You don't, you don't need to. Exactly, exactly. And this was a really tough pill to swallow. That said, if FF wasn't happening and this was just an issue of Spider-Man, it was fun. It just it was a different voice. You can't you can't separate it because it has happened. You've read it exactly. Yeah. Well, but Connor, I mean, you, you've you've seen this over in the Batman books, and and you kind of let it go in that way. No, not when it's covering the same exact story ground. Okay. I mean, thematically, things don't make sense. Don't always match up. But this is this is as Ron said, covering stuff that's happening in that book too. Yeah. And quite honestly, I don't want to read. I don't want to read an FF story in Spider Man, and that's what we're in right now. Then. But you don't mind reading Spider-Man in FF, right? Because he's a piece of that. He's a piece of that team. But Amazing Spider-Man should just be about Peter. It should just be, you know, I don't know. That's just me. It was it was so wildly different thematically, and the and the relationships that have already been covered in FF are so different in this book. Yeah, he he felt like a part of the team in FF, whereas here there was a lot of weird tension. Well, yeah, and and the thing is, like, and again, it's like Slot is a good Spider-Man writer. I like Slot and what he's doing. I I, I like it. It's just that Hickman's doing it already, and their voices are so different. 
Josh, it's like when we complain about people writing Damien in the Batman books. Oh no, I know. That's what I mean. Like That's, I don't, I, I don't like it either. That, but I, you have to deal. I have to deal with this. I mean, I'm not not yeah. dealing with it. I'm reading yeah. it, but it, it, that's that's the demerit of the book. Yeah. All right. You know? I can know. Totally makes sense. And uh, it's, it's not so much about the character portrayals. It's the fact that they're covering. He's co- the Venn diagrams covering so too much. Yeah. Exactly. And it's at the same. It's at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you read from one to the next, and you you know. Yeah. I just I think that, that, I think the whole issue was a mistake. That tone of Hickman's book. You know, I haven't been reading it all along, but I know from what I read, like if you compare it to like food, it's like it's like a, a sauce that's been cooking for a really long time and has all sorts of flavors and things like that, and it's really subtle. And you, you can't just serve it next to pizza. No, I'll, I'll no, I'll give you, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll go one step further. Hickman is molecular gastronomy, mm-hmm. and Slot is you know American, you know meat, meatball pota- hero. Meat, yeah, meatball hero. Yeah, exactly. Mm, not, not, and hero. I'm not saying a meatball hero is bad, and I'm not oh. saying molecular gastronomy is better, <laughs> but they're just different. You know, like that's all. Who's like, meatball hero now? Honestly, raise your hands. <laughs> I, I could really go for one right now to be honest. <laughs> um, and th- that's the thing is that like I, again, I don't want to say like. I enjoyed the issue as a Spider-Man issue. I enjoy Slot's writing. I enjoy Polito's art, but it, it compared to what's going on in FF, I just didn't want it. That's all. It wasn't a bad comic. It was just it, it was just not right. If that makes sense. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. That's fair enough. Now, if if you may or may not know, iFanboy is part of the uh, Graphically Digital Comics company team family. Graphically has over. 3,000 3, yep. 3, comics. There's, there's the air. No. That's how fast it's actually been happening. Yep. Uh, 3,000 comics available for you to download and read. Publishers like Marvel, Archaea, Boom, Top Cow, Archie. I mean, literally, I could go on for a really long time. Red 5, tons and tons of stuff on there. One of the cool things is that you can read comics in sort of any way that you choose. You can read them on the web. You can read them on the desktop app. You can read them on an Android phone or an iOS device, an iPhone or an iPad. It's your choice to how you want to read them. And I, I've, I've, uh, I used to like to read them on the app. And then lately I've been reading them on the web, which is, is nice. Yeah. It's, 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 been, which is, it's actually – and all of those things are getting updated constantly. So uh, yeah, the, sort the, of a, the web reader recently got a, a major update and it's, it's yeah, a lot smoother it's, now. Yeah, yeah it's so. very nice. So there's all sorts of ways to do that, and, and, and I, you, you'll find the one that works for you. All sorts of things are coming up. For example, one of the publishers we've got on there is a, a British company called Marcosia. They do all sorts of different kinds of titles. I mean, they, they sort of uh, run the gamut in a bunch of different things. And if, if you download any Marcosia title, try something out. Go in there, try out Cancer Town or Hero 9 to 5 or something like that, and you'll have a chance to win one of every book that they have. There's 130 different comic books on there, something of, of sort of everything. And there's a lot of names in there that you'll probably know, even if you haven't heard of the company. A bunch of British writers. Actually, they hire American people. Ryan Stegman did work for them uh, cool. before he started working for Marvel. All sorts of stuff like uh, that. Other also, like we mentioned, uh, 3,000 comics in the library, and the 3,000th comic was The Darkness number 84, and now you can get that for 50% off. You can get that for 99 cents. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's a really good way if you've been hearing a lot of the stuff that like we've been talking about, Irredeemable or Artifacts or Velocity, I think, is up there now. Yep. Lots of really good stuff on there. We're working on getting, getting some different content on there. I did, a, I did a commentary on Irredeemable number one with Mark Wade and Peter Krause, which is one of, actually a really good interview that a lot of you probably didn't hear because it's on that book. If you go buy that book, you can, uh, you can listen to that as, as part of the deal. So check that out. And uh, all sorts of really good stuff on there. Lots of good Marvel stuff, actually. Yeah, to be tons honest. of good Marvel stuff on there. Tons yeah. of it. So go to graphically.com where you can check it all out, download the apps, and get involved. I finished reading Superman 710 and decided that Superman, the title, not the character, but the title right now, is like a lame horse. 
It's broken its leg. It's stumbling around. It's time to pull the big cowboy pistol out of the holster. Wow. Put it to the head of the, the horse and pull the trigger. Wow. After 710 issues, you say close up shop? <laughs> I'm saying you got to do something. That's it. Yeah. Close up. Put the shingle up. Yeah. Turn the lights off. Um, they should put Jamie McKelvey on that. <laughs> and this that's just, that's my solution to everything. That's every cure all. That's great. This is grounded I love part that. eight. We've been doing this, doing this for eight parts now. Oh God! And this issue. He's not even um, writing it anymore, is he? It's Roberson, right? It's Roberson, but he's still oh. plotting. It's still his plot. His, name, issue, his name's still on the cover. Oh God! Yeah, and this issue, Batman shows up. This is the first time they've he's seen each other since Batman's been back. And he signals Superman because he's got a giant Superman signal. Nice. Yeah, he, he apparently had it. It's giant. It's like the size of the bat signal. He apparently had it in his in his bat plane. It's not like a little one. He he built this giant Superman signal. And they're talking, and, he, and Superman says, this is like a journey of discovery. And he says, it's like that first time we hung out. And Batman's like, what, with Magpie? And he goes, no, before that. And we got to, now we have a retcon. And when they hung out as teenagers. Oh, my God, you're kidding me. Really? Not teenagers, just, just out of college age people. Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne were in, uh, like, uh, the Himalayas, like, having a stupid adventure and trying to find Nanda Parbat. And what? It, it, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, completely, completely pointless retcon that didn't offer nothing to their characterization, but only undermined their relationship. And that's J. Michael Straczynski, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. You know, I know we haven't talked about it since it happened, but I would, I'm really cu- I thought about this the other day. I'm really curious if our uh, post about Superman backpacking through Europe made it to JMS or not. <laughs> I guarantee you. It did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. I wonder if he, if he laughed or got angry. Oh. Here's, here's what I'm scared about. And. Action Comics 900 is the return of Superman, but I don't think this story is ending. <laughs> no indication this particular story in this book is stopping. Oh. They're just going to let that Superman wander. Hey, Connor, do you remember that time we hung out? Not yes. in college when we actually met, but in middle school. Right. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Yeah. That was... Trying to find a white on castle. on the playground, and I called you Northport, and you called me yeah. New York. Yeah, exactly. He calls him Gotham, oh. he calls him Smallville. Right, and then we went to White Castle. I like that, Josh. That was an added touch. Yeah. Thanks. I do what I can. Oh, uh, no, but by the way, no one could see that Superman goes to Europe and not be charmed. <laughs> exactly. <I'm> sorry, <laughs> he walked into your heart. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was one of the best things we ever done. I mean, he might have looked at it initially and been like, "Rasa fresh." Oh, <laughs> like he would have been like, "Why did this is this is naturally where it should go?" Yeah. Oh God, that was great. Why did I think of the Superman backpack? <laughs> You sure need one. All right. Moving on. Something something big happened this week. Well, so we, they've been pumping up the death of Spider-Man, and I thought it was interesting because I actually am reading um, uh, uh, I don't even know what the fuck it's Ultimate called. Ultimate Avengers vs. New Ultimates? Uh, it's, I think it's called, yeah, it's called Ultimate Avengers vs. New Ultimates number three. Ugh. And the head vs. X-Men. Yeah, exactly. So what? I bought that, and I also bought, you know, of course I'm also reading uh, Ultimate Spider-Man uh, 157, and it's interesting because they're telling the same, it's cross-sectioning, this, these are the issues. It was nice that it came out the same same week, because right. in the same moment, kind of both books kind of Venn diagram over the same moment, which is basically the Avengers versus the Ultimates, something's going on with Fury versus Danvers and all stuff like this, and basically the Punisher's up on uh, the 59th Street Bridge, or the Brooklyn Bridge, or whatever bridge he's supposed to be on. It's actually the Ed Koch Bridge now. It, uh, it's the Ed Co- or is it really? They the 59th Street yeah. Bridge is, yeah. It's actually no. the Queensboro Bridge. You're yeah. kidding me. Nope. No. Do they have enough money for the signs? No, they're going to do it like the yeah. Like, yeah, like the Triborough Bridges. <laughs> no one, listen, I live like I can see the Triborough Bridge from my house. No one I've ever met has ever called it the RFK. Yeah, half, the sign, half the signs still say Triborough. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so, um, um, but so basically what happens is that the, the they're, at the they're at the Koch, the Queensboro. That's yeah, they're at the Ed Koch uh, yeah. uh, bridge. And so the Punisher's got uh, Captain America in his sights and Spider-Man pushes Cap out of the way and takes the bullet. 
Which, if that's the death of Spider-Man, then I'm f- like, really? Really? Yeah, that's, like, that's like James T. Kirk death shot in the back. I, I, yeah. I didn't read New of Ultimate uh, Neither Verse. Neither did I. That, okay. <laughs> yeah. But the Punisher on the cover of that book looks a lot different than the Punisher who's in this book. Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't look anything like that. That's like the, that's like the weirdo Punisher Captain America costume. That, that, is that the yeah. one inside the book, though? Or no. Or is the cover just no. weird? The cover's just weird. They just, oh. like, they just really like that design. It's in, it's in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, don't you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, this was lame. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like the whole issue was really good up until that point. Yep. Like it was just like reading a good Ultimate Spider-Man issue, as we're very used to. Yep. But if seriously, like you know, okay, he got shot in the lung. Yep. Right. Yeah, he's not dead. Look, he's shot. and also like I don't feel like he would have like he spider. Why would he, why would he get hit? He yeah. wouldn't get hit. What about the the spider sense? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he could do sort of both things, and yeah. you know, Cap probably would have known and used a shield or whatever. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, Bendis. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Well, you did. You're buying it. You buy. Well, it. I bought it. I bought it. Yeah, but yeah. 157 of them. Yeah. So <laughs> times anyway. three. Anyway, Josh, That's reboot time. Oh, sometimes, sometimes they reboot, and sometimes they don't need to. I bought GI Joe Volume Two number. The, everybody's got problems with num- naming things right now. Oh, it's awful. The GI Joe, like it was GI Joe Cobra Two number four. Like it was. I yeah. don't don't do that anymore. So they're rebooting the Cobra War because Cobra Commander has been killed, and now they're setting up the new paradigm, and they introduced a bunch of new Joes. And now, I, this is the I, problem. I got this issue also. And mm. in this issue, there's three different stories because there's, there's three new books, so there's a little, like, a little excerpt of each, of each world. And in one of the books, it was the Chuck Dixon regular JoJo book, I believe. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of Joes roll into Springfield, and they jump out of this car like a clown car because they keep coming out. And they all, they're all, it's all new Joes. They're all got new names. And my problem is there's a billion G.I. Joes that we all know from, from 30 years of reading G.I. Joe or watching the <laughs> cartoons. We all know these Joes. Now I got to learn 15 new Joes. I got to learn their names, what they do, what they look like. I mean, just use the Joes I know. I don't know who these Wow. Are. Wow. And, and Someone's getting, a grumpy old man. No, and it's getting hard to keep like, oh, it's this hard is to keep make, track. These guys all this is, they all, yeah. 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 There's not a lot left to mine with right. G.I. Joe names. And it's like, it's make a break. And it's, it's like it's, I take uh, two words and just stick them together. And then I got to remember who this guy is. Which is yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Use Beachhead. Bar- it's barbecue fun. was in there. Use somebody else. Yep. Barbecue had a fantastic mustache. That's the best part <laughs> about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Great mustache. Oh, God. He had a really good mustache. Now we're on a G.I. Joe. Now we're on a G.I. Joe. But it was. I, 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 wait, who's the other one, though? We did this. We figured this out. Barbecue and. and, and Blowtorch. Blowtorch. Yeah, and that's the guy. That's the guy in the yellow and red costume. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't bad. I just was like, I, I don't. It was good before, and I get that it wasn't selling that well, and that sucks. And so they have to try to do something else. But it was just like, oh, man, I was really. But I guess if you want to look at like the other GI Joe Cobra story, like it, it ended. It had a, it had an arc. It, it came to the conclusion. Uh, it was all good, and, and there's probably going to be things in this that are good, but. You know, it, it was just G.I. Joe Origins has been really, really good lately, and that's gone. And G.I. Joe, the sort of main title, was okay. The art had been getting really good. Uh, and, I mean, I guess I'll see what happens. I'm still going to keep reading it. Uh, there's going to be a, a Cobra series and a G.I. Joe series and a Snake Eyes series, which, you know, makes sense. That's their Wolverine. But it was a little a little underwhelming. I didn't you know, realize Blowtor- Blowtorch was from Tampa, Florida, but in the cartoon he had an Irish accent. Did well, he? Yeah. Well, the cartoon wasn't canon. True. Yeah. Well, his name, the character's name is Timmy Timothy Hanrahan. Well, for example, yeah. <laughs> uh, never once in the comic book, which is canon by the way, did a wolf dance. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So that's your clue. Talking about under the radar books when we're talking about Punisher Max, I really think Northlanders is a book that more people should be reading. 
I, yeah. I, I 100% agree, and it's one of those things you look at the numbers and you think, how are they making this still? Yeah, because this the trade cell. Yeah, they must. So. Yeah. yeah, this I, Siege I of Paris so. story that wrapped up in this issue has, was fantastic. Ever since I jumped back onto this, I don't know, probably 12, 15 issues ago, somewhere, you know, it's, it's re- like every issue is really good. And I think at first, I don't think that Brian Wood had his voice exactly for this because it was, everybody's making a big deal out of him using, you know, modern speech. And I think that he found just the right balance and yep. it's just very good and it's very understated and really enjoyable and he keeps getting great artists to work on it. No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's been, it's been great. Yep. And more people should read this. It's such it's such a it's not a superhero book, and I guess that's the reason that people don't read it. But it, it's great storytelling. It's it's uh, very different from Vertigo, but also very fitting for Vertigo yeah. at the same time. I, I finished reading it. I'm like, I love this. This is great. Yeah, it's a, it's surprised to me because it's really not the kind of you're not. It's not really your kind. Yeah, of but thing. I just really like it. I don't know. I like the it's, art. I like everything. I like really history. Well I watch the History Channel when I'm on the plane. I hear you. You don't. You're sleeping. No, I do. I, I have. Yeah, because I like the idea of you falling asleep and just like. Hours of Hitler footage playing in front of you as the person next door to you is like, oh. oh." (laughs) No, you know what it is? It's that damn uh, 300 special they keep showing. Oh, like Every time I'm on a plane and I can't sleep, it's the History Channel about the Battle of Thermopylae. (laughs) I know that battle like by heart. It's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, so those are the comments that came out this week. Uh, (laughs) Go to iFanboy. You said Thermopylae. Thermopylae. iFanboy.com slash comics is where you can see all the books that come out every week and you can – do your pull list and rate and review them, and you can do your pick of the week. You can say this was my pick of the week, and we got our new little feature here uh, where we're going to highlight the top five pick of the weeks of the community. So coming in at number five with four percent of the pick of the weeks was Uncanny X Force number seven. Uh-huh. The cover was a very stressful cover of that book. Yeah, yeah. Arr! Number four uh, coming in at six percent of the pick of the week percentages was Ultimate Spider-Man number one fifty-seven. Number three was uh, our pick of the week, Connor's pick of the week, Punisher Max number twelve at seven percent of the, the percentage. Right in the top five. Surprising number two. I would not have predicted this. Journey yep. into Mystery number six twenty two got twenty two percent of the Thor community's pick of the week. Right Look at that. Thor Look at Kier- Kieran Gillen kicking ass. Like he was, you know, Uncanny X Men didn't even make the top five, but Journey yep. into Mystery did it. And number one was the unwritten number twenty four with twenty four percent of the pick of the week percentage. See what I'm saying? Yeah, there you go. So no, the, the people who read that book know, like, oh, this is the one. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're very good about the timing of that. It's good planning. Yeah. So good on this y'all. This is the one. So let us know in the comments, comments if of, of this uh, on ifanboy.com if you want to keep hearing this top five or not. We're we're playing with it. We're I'm undecided. Well, let's do some user reviews. We, yeah. As Ron said, you go to the comics page, you can rate and review your books, make your pull list. You can also write reviews, and we we pull the good ones out, read them on the show. And Neb reviewed The Flash, number 10, gave the story a 3 out of 5, and the art a 4 out of 5, and the pick week percentage was 3.3% amongst the iFan base. And Neb says, after finishing the issue, I hate to say that I have some gripes about what's going on with this series. First off, let me start by saying that I've loved this series. I bought the hardcover when it came out, and I've read through it a couple times already. Those first six issues were some next-level stuff. Ever since the title has shifted to Flashpoint, I feel like it's lost a little bit of the magic it once had. As the main book of the upcoming summer event... Why does it feel like there's no energy building to the event itself? Not only has this issue been late, but there's absolutely nothing in this issue to get excited about. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with them, sadly. This issue was hurt by the fact that it was supposed to come out in December. Yeah, yep. And it, it, you, I think you'd feel more energy if it was actually coming out this month yep. as opposed to being late by four months. Yep. That's the problem. And, yeah, and then it was like random. Like I started reading it, and like the art was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. There was actually, there was actually I think I might have found, found my Manipole page that I want to buy um, <laughs> in this issue. But that that said, like random Bart attitude, I was like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Like it just seemed real, like really kind of weird. It, yeah, 
Yeah. I, I, I think that people are expecting it to be much further along in the story than it is because it's Flashpoint's about to start and this is still, you know, we're still two months two months behind on this book. Yep. And I'm not telling you what page it is. So, yeah. All right, fair enough. So next review comes from William K. Scurry Jr., who reviewed Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker, number two, by Joe Casey and Mike Huddleston, and gave the story a one out of five and the art a four out of five. And at the time of this review, 1.1% of you made your pick of the week. And William K. Scurry Jr. says, Having missed out on issue one, damn short print runs coupled with a lack of digital day and date release, I sampled issue two to see what the hubbub was about the series. I've read enough Joe Casey comics to know his sensibilities, so I got what I expected. Gritty anti-hero, fearsome villains, huge stakes, and wacky concepts. However, all those selling points didn't save this book from being a charmless bore. Casey writes cooler-than-hell characters as a rule, badasses who kowtow to no man, but there's no import here. Just the equivalent of a guy screaming in a room for three hours. The saving grace here is Mike Huddleston's art, whose style I don't necessarily enjoy, but whose craft is apparent. I welcome the chance to see him in a different milieu someday. And wow, I, I don't know if seeing issue one would have saved that, but I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed it. I it was I'm loving it. it I mean, it, it's this. Yes, it's Joe Casey doing Joe Casey. I think that's very obvious. But it, it it's a different. I mean, it's sort of the next version of that. He's been telling yeah. his different stories in in this vein for a while. And to me, what I see when is this is is a guy who's uh, two guys that are writing and drawing stuff that they find really fun. Yep. And it, it's a, it's a little bit about going over the top. Oh, that man can Mike Huddleston draw a semi truck or can he? Well, I was gonna say that that I find uh, the, my one criticism of this issue was that I felt as if there was too much time spent on the villains, mm-hmm. and I found myself want and maybe you know you want it you want to go you do less is more, but I love the cannibal run aspect of this. I would have liked the scene of them in the diner together to last longer. Yes, because I yep. found it interesting. Yeah, I would too. have liked that to go further, and I I didn't want it shattered so quickly. Yep. I wish that he didn't see who he was. Yep. So like they hung out again later, like they go bowling together. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love, I love that. I love Butcher Baker and the cop and the chasing and the and every any and any time the truck like the the car like the end it ended with so much energy. Like I was like, wow, this is a fast book. Like this is a fa- these, yeah. yeah. I really like that. I can't wait for the next issue because it looks like now it's you know what it's becoming. It's that fucking um, cartoon. Do you remember that cartoon in the seventies uh, with the the race? All the characters that were racing. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah that's, what it, that's what it reminds me of now. It's got, you've got like three cars now on the road chasing each other. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, with the Falcon guy. Hong yeah, Kong, oh, I love race? that. What was that called? Was it the Great Race? race? Wacky Race? Wacky Races? Yeah. Wacky Races. Everybody Something like that. By Bobville Comedians? Yeah, it was know. Wacky Races with, um, oh, it was with, with uh, Dick Dasterly and Muttley. And yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh, and you know who else was in it? Wasn't a uh, Ca- Captain Caveman was in it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that little was little cavey. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Mutley. That was uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hurts to do that. I can't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good times. All right, cool. I don't know. It's it's it, you're right. It's a it's a seventies movie mixed with a comedian. And it's fun. I, I just keep. Th- I just thinking Cannibal Run mixed with yeah. superhero comics, which is great. Smoking so. the Bandit. It's yep. it's all that. But this guy, what kind of car you drive? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so Kurt Ferguson. Go to go to slash comics where you can write your own reviews, and everybody's opinion is valid. Nobody's opinion is right or wrong. Everybody can like comics and not like comics. Remember that. Okay, onto the emails. Our first email comes from it's Ladies Night on iFanboy. Our first email comes from Sarah, who says, First, I'd like to say that my roommate and I love your show. She got me into it, actually. Anyway, neither of us have read any John Constantine, though we both really, really want to, but we don't know where to start, or at least I don't. So what's the best Hellblazer out there, and where's the best starting point? Josh? Uh, I've, I've said many times with Hellblazer, you can kind of start anywhere. If you, the trades are 
I, I, the trades aren't numbered. It's really difficult for me to be like, oh yeah, this is the first one. But Jamie Delano was sort of the original Hellblazer writer on the series. Uh, the first time you'll ever see him is in uh, Swamp Thing, actually. And those new volumes that just came out. The third volume is when John Constantine first shows up. In fact, I read that today. Was it three so or four? It's in three. I just I okay. read it today. Oh my god! Get to um, the answer. And uh, I mean, a bunch of different people have taken it, have, have written uh, it, and and they all have a slightly different flavor. My favorite, because it's the most episodic, it's sort of the longest form story, is Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. It's the thing they did before that they were on Preacher. Besides that, though, like what is that? What is that called? Is it is it available in trade paperback? Yeah, it yes, is. I, don't, I read the trades definitely. Yeah, but I don't know. They're not. I don't know the names. They're of They're not numbered, series. so it's hard. Just, just it, basically, I, I've read random Hellblazer. Just you can just read any of them. Yes, read, you can. Read, uh, pick, pick them up. The, Brian Azarell did an arc that was the first one I ever read. Not my favorite. Uh, there's a there's one of sort of a bunch of little Warren Ellis stories and things in there. They're very good. The Warren Ellis ones are excellent. All right, uh, I'm looking here. Garth Ennis, Dangerous Habits, Bloodlines, Fear and Loathing, Tainted Love, Dan- Damnation's Dangerous- Flame. Dangerous Habits is the first one, but it's not. That's not Steve Dillon on it. It's a it's a standalone story. Actually, Dangerous Habits is the most like the movie. The movie was pr- sort of cribbed from that, although not exactly. That's a very good story. Different art style. The Jamie Delano stuff I don't love as much. It's it's very but what, what prosaic. What about the Paul Jenkins stuff? What about the Ellis stuff? What about Az- Azarello, Carrie, Diggle? Paul Jenkins Milligan is not c- collected. Okay. You could go through and read all the stuff that Mike Carey did. That was a really big, long run, and it's pretty good. It doesn't stand out to me as something that I really remember. I loved Andy Diggle's run on it. That was excellent, and the most recent Peter Milligan run has been fine. If you started at the beginning of the, the Peter Milligan stuff... Scab. Scab and Hooked. Scab was fantastic, but it does work better and pay off more if you've read this stuff before. You don't have to have, but it, it is a little more emotionally resonant. It is, it's a little bit of a trick, which sort of fits with the character, in that it's, uh, it's kind of the same story over and over. <laughs> All right. And Sarah has one other thing where she says, can, also, can you say, hi, Maggie, and wish her a happy birthday? So happy birthday, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. She didn't tell Hello. us when her birthday was, though. Recent. Recently. This, I never this email came in this week. Okay. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right. Uh, next up. Megan from Plattsburgh says, I just wanted to tell you all about my awful experience comic hunting this past weekend. I was in Rochester, New York with a list of comic book stores and comics I wanted to get. I went with my boyfriend to comics, etc. I walked in and two young male workers gave us weird stares and didn't even acknowledge our presence. I made my way to the disorganized rack and started picking out comics. I overheard the two workers making whispered comments about how crappy and stupid my comic choices were. Oh, that's awful. Wow. And they, and they made some comments about how I looked that were not positive. I put back my comics and my boyfriend and I spent a hundred bucks somewhere else. Good for you. Even if the workers were not making fun of me because I was a girl, I just want to say how hard it is sometimes being a girl who enjoys comics. I like comics and I just happen to be a girl. It's not a trend. I don't do it for attention. I guess I just want to get the word out that guys should encourage and support the presence of women in the comic world as readers, artists, and writers. I don't want this type of experience to happen to anyone else, man or woman, and that may discourage them from going out and actively participating in the comics world by buying comics at a store and having fun conversations with real people. I was also wondering what you guys would have done in my shoes. I think Ron owns a store. <laughs> Just a joke. <general. laughs> not, we're, not, we're not laughing because you're a girl. Just in general, the sense of customer courtesy. This comic shop was appalling, and I don't know how any owner would tolerate his employees treating patrons like that. It seems like bad business. I, I don't yes. uh, Megan, I don't own a store. I wish Ron, I did. This is, this is not the first email we've received where someone thinks you own a store. <laughs> we, we, we've had at least three emails from people thinking you're a store owner. Never, I don't know why. I have no idea why. <laughs> That's hysterical. I'm interested in comics retailing, but we all are. I mean, like, it's not... <laughs> it, yeah, uh. Okay, well, first off, does anyone else in the Rochester area shop at comics, etc.? If so, have you had a similar experience by this? If so, stop shopping there. 
You're absolutely right. It's funny. It, I mean, it's a it's a problem. It's, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of women in the, in the comics. You go to any convention, clearly you see that. You go to any party, you see that. You go to the store, sometimes you see that. But but women are still a minority, and they're treated badly sometimes. I was well, talking to another, another Megan in San Francisco, and she had problems at her store with the guy being creepy towards her. I mean, there's a problem, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're so hard on that behavior on the website is because yeah. but it, it always happens, though. Yeah. Because God, the, there's an atmosphere created sometimes by certain people in, that make it un- unwelcoming for women and you don't want that's bad for especially an industry that needs anybody you can get re- I don't personally I don't notice gender I don't <laughs> notice race I don't see color just, everyone's just I don't see anything I'm a blind <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's it's tough I mean but the thing is, is that regardless of I mean like I mean the thing is, is that like who knows if they were doing that because she's a girl or not I mean that's the thing I mean like they shouldn't the thing is any retail environment they shouldn't be making talking about the customer's so that they can hear them being talked about. That's awful, number one. T- criticizing their their purchases, awful, number two. Criticizing physical appearance, number three. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of your gender or whatever, that's just unacceptable no matter what. In a larger sense, too, you know, the, the industry, especially, you know, comics retail, not the healthiest of industries. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, the, and, that, and, that's, and that's part of the problem. And, like, trust me, like, I, you know, uh, maybe people think I own a, rec- you know, own a, a comic store because I've talked about working. I've worked in a record store. I've worked in retail. And don't get me wrong. You don't find more judgmental people than than record store employees, but even well, then, you don't find record store employees anywhere anymore. Exactly, and that, that's part of the, that's probably I part don't. of it, you know. And and the the challenge is, is that you need to be opening and welcoming to everybody because ultimately they're your customer, and like the, you know, like customers always right. You know, you might not like what they're getting, but you shouldn't. You know, like I don't know, it just it pisses me off. Ron, to hear what the do you story. tell your employees at your comic store? I tell them to uh, treat every customer as if they were their best friend and help them in their comic book experience as you can. And, you I know. swear to God, Ron, at least three emails we've gotten over the years saying you, Ron owns a store, right? That's so funny. That's so funny. It's it's, what, it's really what, ironic though because it, because if I go back, if I think back to my comic book shopping experience when I was a, a, a teenager, when I was like fourteen or so, the guy who sh- who worked in my shop actually he lives in San Francisco now. And I'm friends with him, but I would walk up with a stack of X Factor New Mutants and he'd be like, why are you reading this crap? This is awful. And yeah. like would, would, would berate me. Now that said though, that it, that's just because he's an asshole. That did that did push me. That did push me to challenge what I was reading, and like, well, maybe like, and I'd ask him like, well, what should I be reading, and that sort of thing. And I don't think that's the right way to go. But I think there is a conversation in steering a customer towards what they ultimately would like, what they wouldn't like, you know, and 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 helping them. But it shouldn't be in a in a hostile environment or behind their back. There is a dudes bantering with each other kind of way where they do that. Yeah, which you know, probably not the best business practice. You could do it with people you're close to or whatever, but. We've all been to comic shops like that. We used to go to one in Ithaca, yeah. where the guy would would act like that. And it's so funny because it's such a stare. I mean, like the, you know, at this point, the, the comic book guy from The Simpsons, you know, that's what that is. But it's real. Yeah, and yeah. that's crazy Sad. that it's still real. Yeah. And those are the shops that aren't going to do. They're not going to. They're not going to make it through all this. They won't. They absolutely won't. So anybody who lives in the Rochester area, if you've had a similar experience at comics, et cetera, write in and let us know. Because that just, I don't know, because I'm curious, but that just sucks. Luckily for her, she had somewhere else to go. Yeah, thank God. The problem becomes when you're in a town with one store, and that's the store. And yep. you have to put up with that to get your books. Like yeah. like, like Ithaca, New York? There's a shop near me <laughs> in, the, in, this, in the part of the city where I live that I, I won't go to. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, I just walk in, and I just hear dudes calling each other fag. And I'm like, I, can, oh, I, can not, I can't get money here. I recognize I'm still holding a grudge for a comic book store from 11 years ago. But <laughs> I, maybe it's changed there. Maybe it's, I don't you know. You know what we should uh, do is go there and bust it up. We should, yeah, we that's a rational adult way response to that. Yeah, there you go. I like the way that's, you think. That'll be on our on our road trip. Yeah, so <laughs> our, our our username road trip. 
Yeah. Excuse me. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you have any questions, you can email us at contactifanboy.com. It's always good to hear from you. It was ladies' nights here on iFanboy emails. These are half price. Yes. <laughs> so uh, go to iFanboy.com uh, and, and email us. At, I don't know what I'm saying. Wow, I'm so sick. <laughs> Shoot us an email at contactifanboy.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or call us on our voicemail line at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-FANBOYS. That's one 1-888- <laughs> Do it again. One more time. <laughs> Shoot us a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. We'd love to hear from you. Also go to iFanboy.com. Every Monday we have a podcast called iFanboy Don't Miss. Last week you could have heard me talking to Kieran Gillen, talk about Uncanny X-Men 535 and the future of Uncanny X-Men. If you're an X-Men fan, you definitely should have listened to that. This week, we'll, we'll have one for you. Not quite sure who will be yet, but it will, it'll come through in the, in, at the last minute. So iFanboy.com, don't, iFanboy Don't Miss. Definitely go subscribe to that. Get to it on iTunes. You don't want to miss that podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's only 50 minutes. It's all you need. It's the perfect podcast. Go to iFanboy.com where you can read Connor's Pick of the Week review as well as all the great articles and posts and things like that that go on uh, on there. Ooh. We're going to have our Book of the Month uh, this week, so you can go read that review. And we'll be talking about that soon on the podcast. And you can go to um, every week, every Wednesday, we've got our new episode of our video show. Last week was WonderCon Part 1. This week is WonderCon Part 2. We had a great time in San Francisco, and the hits just keep coming. Please. Uh, take a, just take a seat. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a spritz. All right. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's like drink. watching a man flail to death. <laughs> painful. It's painful. Uh, you, you can, if you if you want to email us, you can send it at contact at ifanboy.com, or you can send an email if you didn't hear the number read four hundred <laughs> times before. It's eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. If you want to get on the show, uh, it's, it's a good way to do it is to tell us who you are, where you're from, and then uh, you know keep it cool. Keep it, keep it, keep it simple. Keep it cool, keep it cool hot shot. Keep it cool hot shot. <laughs> Best outtake ever. I don't remember anything else from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's not true. I just referenced that earlier. Yeah, wow. It's, but, your, it's uh, like your favorite movie. I love that movie. Yeah. It's way better. It's, it, it, I don't know. It aged way better than it had any right to. Yeah. Uh, keep it cool hot shot. <laughs> if you like the show, write a review on iTunes for this show, for the Don't Miss show, for the video show, for Word Balloon, which is also on my fanboy, for Tom vs. The Flash, for Around Comics, for 11 O'Clock Comics, for Comic Geek Speak, for all the great podcasts out there, please go on iTunes, write a review, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, there you go, that's the show. We're going yeah. to all have a seat now. Yeah, I think it's time, it's time to take a breather, I think. Ron's going to take a nap. Whew. You're gonna put a towel around you like a boxer, just yeah. out of the ring. Oh, I've, never, I've never heard that happen to you. <laughs> oh man, I, I just completely went off the rails. I right. do it all the time. I mean, I know. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Joshua. 